I just left the meeting. Like, I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> I want when people leave to make the sound of the AIM-like thing when someone mm-hmm. logs off. You know what I mean? And then when someone enters the waiting like room. Like when the door closes? Uh-huh. I want that sound. I'll find that sound clip and insert it now. Um, hey, everyone. Welcome to Brought to You by the Letter podcast. This is Carly and Kelsey. I'm Kelsey. I'm Carly. Welcome, welcome <laughs> to another episode. Time uh, to learn. Time yep. to love. Did you say learn and love? Yeah. Aw. That's new, adding love in there. I'd like to think that our podcast has some love in it. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think it's not all hate, dread, sadness. Only love here. Mm-hmm. I've recently, it's been like within the past maybe month, honestly. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't really matter, but I've become... <laughs> I've become obsessed with house plants. Um, uh, it doesn't matter um, at all. But I've become obsessed with house plants. And my favorite part about house plants is propagating them. It is my fa- mm-hmm. it is so cool. Oh my god, it is insane. And I think this actually, you know what? It honestly started I think when you gave me the monstera plant, which you propagated and repotted, mm-hmm. and then you told me to take a cutting from this one monstera plant and kelsey it has been growing so many new leaves and they're so cool and i just yes. oh my god it's so it's cool because it's free so plants cool. free it's plants. legit free plants so i use this one app that like helps you know when to water and it keeps track of all your plants and shit Wait, and what is it because i need that blossom it's called blossom you do have to pay for it, but I don't think it's... I think it's, like, maybe $5 a year or something. It's not bad. For some reason, paying for, like, a dollar app is, like, the worst thing that could ever happen it, to me. It really is. But, like, as an adult, like, finally, I'm almost 20... I'm almost 28 years old. I do it now. I pay for apps. And I'm just like, what am I doing? But anyways... I feel like I need to be recommended them. Otherwise, yes. I don't trust them. Agreed. Like, Agreed. I dropped $9 on Stardew Valley, but I was told to do that. <laughs> Anyways. Um, no, so so in this app, like, you can take a picture of all of your plants that you have, and then you can have a wish list. And, like, one of my top plants that I want, oh, my God, is a watermelon peperomia. Do you know what that one is? What? It's called a watermelon peperomia. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Probably not. But the leaves legit look like watermelons. It is so freaking cool. It's like Ooh. it's like round leaves, but the stripes look like um, the outside of a watermelon. But you can make a wish list of like the plants that you want. And then within this app too, it tells you how to propagate. So of course, like all of the ones <gasps> on my wish list, you can propagate. It's just like- Oh my gosh, I it's love just, that. Yeah, honestly, it just makes me so happy. Like babies that you're watching and then the roots are so cool when they come. And it's just, yeah. I mean, but, speaking of babies- uh-oh. You're pregnant. When, no. <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. Yep, this is how I'm telling you on the podcast. No, when I was changing jobs, I had, like, this way crazy moment where I, like, was like, I need to have children. Like, I don't know why. It just, like, happened. Mm-hmm. Like, my body was just, like, time to be fertile. And so instead, I just bought, like, 80 plants. And it really, really? did the trick. Oh, yeah. And now you have a dog, so. I know. It's like so baby. there you go. Junior. Yeah. A baby without a diaper. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> and stronger than a child also maybe yeah. smarter your dog might be smarter mine isn't <laughs> you keep saying that i think she's smarter than you think she shows her signs of brilliance like for instance okay so my dog is a dog that could only run on love like you don't need i mean 
we do obviously but you don't need to feed her you don't need to do like she just wants your attention and love and that's all she needs and like uh she is in her absolute element when like me and my boyfriend are home at the same time like you can tell she's just like radiating she's just like oh my god oh yeah right so one thing that we sometimes do is before bed we let her on our bed just for some little bit of snuggles but she can't sleep on the bed So when we try to get her off the bed, we say she usually is like sitting up too because she likes to sit up perched and then stare down at us like this. And she has big droopy lips that hang. And (laughs) for the listeners at home, it's like a scary child scare. For real. Like she's great. But anyways, so we say Sasha down and guess what she does? She lays down. When we tell her down, like get off the bed. She just lays down on her belly immediately. So yeah. it's like, okay, in one hand, you're, yes, you are correct. In you a, true. To a degree. Right. <laughs> Good girl. But no. <laughs> so. Yeah. I don't know. You uh, just got back from vacay. I did get back from vacay, so I got more freckles, which is great. That's why you look so cute, too. Oh, maybe. I kind of look like a kid. But a I want freckles so bad, and I don't have any. You can get them tattooed on. Mm-mm. That's that's a lot of commitment. <laughs> I know of a person who does it in Westchester. Huh. Yeah, it's like cosmetic tattooing. It's really interesting. Hmm. Same with eyebrows. I was thinking about I would my do, eyebrows I would do that. We yeah. should do, we could do that. How much is it? I'll do it with you. It's like 600 bucks. Oh, never mind. I'm good. Thank No, I'm, I'm good. Thank okay, you. Okay, well, if we get <laughs> podcast sponsors, then we'll go get our eyebrows done. Because, you know, podcasting is very visual- Right. Um, we need it for medium. our job, our careers in podcasting. Mm-hmm. But I always think it looks good. I had no clue it was 600 freaking bucks. That's a lot. Yeah, of I mean, it's a t- it's like a tattoo. I mean, it lasts a while, but I think it's worth it. I have no eyebrows, so got to draw them on every day or else they look like an alien again. Mm-hmm. Uh, once more of again. the reasons why I'm an alien <laughs> trapped in a human body. <laughs> Bringing just, it back. That's, that's the truth. Yep. But yeah, did anything else happen on vacation or are you just... <laughs> <laughs> nothing to the report just chowing down on my dinner here yeah we just like laid by the beach for like two weeks it was nice i saw my cousins after like a year or two of not seeing them because of covid so it was really nice all of your cousins everybody all of them. that's good on both sides mm-hmm. it's all literally all of them so it was great that's great take your vacation days people for real i feel like mm-hmm. At least for me, this summer, I'm trying to just jam so much stuff in because I haven't been able to do anything for so long. So it's great, but I'm like busy now. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. Oh, I know. I played volleyball on Saturday and I got second place. Girl. Yes. And we lost to our friends. So it wasn't even like, like, of course we wanted to get first place, but you know, we lost you to people that we to, liked. Like, so the big bullies or anything. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And it was a big deal for me because it was a it was um, a higher division. Mm. And actually, oh my gosh, in three days, it'll be one year when I got knee surgery. Dude, three days. look at you. So, you should be on their like little bulletin board of success stories. If you're like Carla, you too can play second place in a volleyball tournament a year <laughs> after surgery. <laughs> It'll be division. like it'll be like a graphic of me with my thumbs up, and then the caption will be like, "If you blah blah three blah, paragraphs like, <laughs> wrong, long, yeah. yeah, 
Her success story. It all started when... No. <laughs> I was going to say I have a correction. Ooh. Unless you wanted to say something. Nope. I am good to go. Please tell me the correction. All right. So this is going back to our IQ episode two episodes ago. And this is from my German friend. She said she was honored to be mentioned. So she knew who she was. But basically... <laughs> This is what she wrote. She said, I think I need to go more into detail about the German school system. Elementary school ends after four years, not five. You don't have to take a final test. Your teachers and your grades decide which school you are attend after. The final test at gymnasium called the Abitur is mandatory to attend university afterwards, but it does not decide which university you go to. Your final grade is a combination of the final test or abitur and the grades of the last two years of school. So then she said, wow, when applying to university, only your final grade counts, as in the combination of the test and the last two years of school. We don't have to write a personal statement or so. So in comparison, like in America, when we apply for colleges, we have to write essays to get in, right? Mm hmm. So she said, in my opinion, that sucks. Oh, yeah, it does. (laughs) A lot of sucks. Yeah, because it doesn't make you stand out, I guess. You know what I mean? It's literally just a number, you know? Yeah. And once once again, like going back to our discussion on IQ, like what if you're a really good student and you get good grades? But what if you don't test well? Yeah. She said, a lot of Germans aren't able to study what they want, for example, medicine, because only the best will be allowed which means only the ones with straight A's or ones. Their grades are numbers, not letters. Ah. And she said, you were right about the other schools, but there are so many other ways to get into college. Like if after fourth grade, you don't go to the gymnasium. So she said the Hauptschule is what you said will get you jobs with minimum wage and the Realschule is in between. She said you can always switch between these schools or after you attended. Huh. Yeah, so so basically she goes on to, to say that you can get into the Hauptschule, which is like the minimum wage jobs, but you can go into the workforce after a few years. You can like switch to another school and that you want to pursue a career in and study more. Then you can go to university. So it's almost like pre-university stuff. I don't know. Very interesting. In one hand, maybe it's better, but on the other hand, maybe it's not. You know what I mean? Maybe they have more a more efficient workforce, but also mm-hmm. in America here, we're the gen- generation of millennials that create the jobs we want, whereas yeah. our parents, like the boomers, worked in a factory their entire lives and or whatever. So. Yeah. Well, I've actually been hearing a lot of interesting things about like the 40-hour work week and people like kind of pushing back against that and being like, well, that was when... A bunch of men worked in factories and stuff, and there was a person at home who was taking care of all, aka a woman, most likely, taking care of all the home stuff. So now it's like, we're actually realizing that it's impossible to do it all. Yup, it really is. Like, 
yeah, I would have my laundry done every day if I didn't do other things. And that was my sole, you know, keeping up the household was my purpose. But but not with like my current job. There's no way. So wait, in what you read, did it say how many actual hours are spent working out of the 40 hours? It did not say that. But the thing that I was reading, it talked about how there were these studies in Sweden where they are starting to test out 35 hour work weeks or Mm -hmm. something. You only work four days. And Oh my God. The productivity has not changed. The output hasn't changed. So it's like if you're getting the same amount of work done in less time, like why not? For real. I'm like, everybody's like, I just need one more day in the weekend. Because that's the truth. It's like, you just need one more day. Yeah. One more day. (laughs) I mean, I'm all for that. But I bet if we gave ourselves that extra rest, you'd be a lot more productive in the time that you had. You're probably onto something there. And also, like, it's really proven that the more output you have, eventually you burn out and the quality goes down. So it's like, you can only work so hard because guess what? We're all human. Crazy. We're not machines. Anywho. (laughs) Fun time. Do you want to transition into the topic? Yes. I'm so excited to know what the topic is. Oh, wait. We should mention we're recording on Zoom this time. Oh, yeah. The first time ever. First time ever. First time ever, first time caller, or Mm -hmm. I don't know, (laughs) never mind. (laughs) So, Kelsey. Mm -hmm. Kelsey brought to you by, what if I was like Kelsey Perkins brought to you by the letter K and I did, (laughs) and I did a, I did a whole episode about you. Wait, that would actually be so fucking funny though. I would be (laughs) so mad at you. (laughs) Like, I don't, I think that would be the end. I think it would be. So at least you know how to cancel our friendship. (laughs) No, come on. Or at least the podcast. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm one to talk. I mean, I made you that poster of like the whole, a bunch of. Oh my God. (gasps) It's like a massive 24 by 36 homemade poster board with like pictures cut out of us. It's so good. We got to post it on our Instagram at one point. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. (laughs) So, Kel- so Kelsey brought to you by the letter. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I would die. Okay. I am doing Cthulhu yeah! brought to you by the letter K. <laughs> I, I'm sure a lot of people don't know what this is. Yes. But I did not know what it was either. The reason that I wanted to talk about it's a person. It's a woman. I wanted to talk about her is because I was looking at her list and I saw Cthulhu and I found this awesome website called rejectedprincesses.com, which is just like a blog type website of this person who is an artist as well as a writer. And she just finds all these like women from history and writes their story in a pretty funny way, I might add. And then also does an illustration of them. So it's like (sighs) fucking awesome. So I saw that and I was like, this is dope. And then I was like going on the website and like finding all these other people and like adding them to our list and stuff. Um, Cause that's what I was hoping you were doing because you sent me that, that yeah. princess's website and i was like she's probably doing this but i don't want to i don't well, want to think about it too much so yeah, yeah yeah so before we talk about cthulhu and who she was and all about her let's go back to the height of the khans mongol empire whoa so you are you aware of the khans i would love to learn more about it right now okay so <laughs> i'm about to tell you So at the time, it was a big fucking deal, basically. And in its heyday, 
It was the largest contiguous empire in human history. And it stretched all the way from China to Europe and the Middle East. Whoa. Physically, it was large. But also, it was started by Genghis Khan. You heard of him? Mm Mm-hmm. And it lasted over 150 years, and it began in 1206 and ended in 1368. So it was huge in multiple ways, right? Wow. Yeah, so at the beginning of the Khan's Mongolian Empire, there were many independent nomadic farmers just all over this area. They heavily relied on the land to sustain them and their families, They had like herds of goats and sheep, horses and other animals that were dependent on, you know, the grass and the plants and water so that the animals could live. And the farmers would sometimes have to like travel far distances in order to keep these animals alive and healthy and also to keep their livelihood afloat then, right? So because of the way that the land was set up and everything... A sudden bout of drought or disease could very easily, like, destroy everything that the farmers worked for. So Genghis Khan, like, saw these people, basically, realized this, and took the opportunity in stride. So he united all of Mongolia's independent tribes. So, like, all these farmers all over these lands were all, like, Mm -hmm. independent nomadic tribes right that's the word like they're nomads and Mm -hmm. he came together and united them and helped to support china's struggling economy by introducing stable taxes and even establishing cooperatives which is pretty why did i think Genghis khan was like a villain well hold on one second okay that thought i'll back up So he also reformed laws and embraced trade and actually religious freedom. And he also was like hip because he adopted a lot of advanced technologies of the time, like stirrups, composite bows. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's like, wow, some... Some 12, the hip new technology. <laughs> yeah, some 1,200 uh, stirrups. Also, leather armor and gunpowder. So Shit. when I wrote this, I was like, 1,200 gunpowder? What is this? Because if you think Western history, civilization, like, we didn't really get guns until much later. You know what I mean? I don't know the years, but, like, this is, like, the 1,200s, Right. I have no reference for gunpowder history. I think I think <laughs> of like Revolutionary War, right? Yeah, the 1700s, that's where I go to, right? Yeah. So that's that's the only reference that I have of people using the earliest instance of people using guns, right? I'm sure it was a thing before. I'm just not aware of it. Maybe we'll <laughs> do some more research and figure it out next episode. Sounds but like a later problem. I would like to dip into the learning lounge real quick because <laughs> All right, put me there. Uh, <laughs> put you on the spot you're walking, gonna... you're walking down it's a crisp slightly cool summer night and all of a sudden to your right you hear tinkling of bells and soft music Ooh, what's that you've never noticed that little bungalow bar before <laughs> <laughs> you you enter and welcome to the learning lounge oh my gosh 
is my favorite learning lounge so far. Okay, I'm there. So I wanted to learn more about this gunpowder thing. So I learned that the Mongols were the first people to ever use something called flying fire, which was an arrow that was attached to a tube of gunpowder that ignited and would propel itself over enemy lines like during battles. So additional gunpowder based weapons were also invented by the Chinese and um, were then used against the Mongols in the next couple centuries, including cannons and grenades. So this is only like within the 1300s and the 1400s, then they made invented cannons and grenades. And this was all in China and this Mongolian era, which I just thought was like so crazy and flying fire. And then I think of Milan and then that makes sense. The flying fire thing freaks me out. Yeah. You remember Mulan? Do I remember Mulan? You mean the movie I watched yesterday, basically? (laughs) Exactly. But I love Mulan. (laughs) Back to our story. So even though, like you were saying, you remembered Genghis Khan differently. So even though he did a lot (laughs) of good in uniting his people and creating this vast empire, he's not known for these things, right? I wanted to include those things as little sprinkles of kernels of knowledge, if you will. Yeah, we're all complex beings, right? I mean, (laughs) for sure, for sure. You don't get to be this like huge leader of an empire. Actually, he started an empire. You don't get there by, you know, being nice. You don't get there by not being liked on the playground. That's for sure. Exactly, exactly. So as we know him, he's more known for his reputation of being a fierce warrior and implementing brutality. For example, Genghis Khan once conquered a nation called the Keresmian Empire. After taking control of it, he decided to erase it from existence <gasps> and burnt the town to the ground, killing everyone in its government. Now, this is where it gets petty. Ready? He even went as far as... Oh, this as, is where it gets petty? This is where, oh, it, this gets is where it gets petty. Okay. He diverted a river to flow through the Keresmian's emperors, like the dude who was the ruler of this area, birth home so that the water would wash it away from existence. Oh my god. Like gosh. it would be physically gone. So he's like, Yo. yeah, I'm just going to conquer this like village or this nation. And erase your entire existence. Wow. Yep. You're right. That I didn't think it could get pettier, but it did get pettier. Yes. Wow, he must have really not liked this guy. Obviously, these kinds of traits and ruthlessness had been passed down to his descendants. And I will enter a second learning lounge now. I'm not going to describe Ooh. it, though. Same same place. We're still bar. there. We, we've never really left. A little Googling. One in 200 men are direct descendants of Genghis Khan, according to DNA. On the earth? <laughs> are you serious? Uh-huh. Oh, One my gosh. One in 200 men. Yep. Dang. What about the women? So I'll tell you. So it has to do with the Y chromosome. So Mm. let me just read this article from discovermagazine.com. In 2003, a groundbreaking historical genetics paper reported results which indicated that a substantial proportion of men in the world are direct line descendants of Genghis Khan. By direct line, we mean that they carry these Y chromosomes, which seem to have come down from an individual who lived approximately 1,000 years ago. Y chromosomes are only passed from father to son, so that would mean that this Y chromosome is a record of someone's patrilineage, which I'm assuming is paternal lineage. Lineage. Just using my <laughs> prefixes. So 
it goes on to talk more about it, but basically it's like through DNA, you can trace these things called, quote, super Y lineages, which is what I'm talking about. So they kind of used history, learned the time period, and saw that it was so widespread. And it was like, okay, who was a person that was like super widespread physically through his entire empire doing all this shit, right? Mm, Daddy Genghis. Right? What's this article's up? a lot. And it also gives examples of other like historical figures who have similar kind of interesting but basically very interesting i wonder how many people are related to him like if it's one in 200 men i wonder if it's like one in 100 people right we're all just related to genghis khan hey well back to our girl cthulhu she was his great great granddaughter oh yeah so she was what you call him Oh, my God. Gangi. Gangi. Because she was born in 1260. And actually, at this time, the Mongol Empire was starting to crumble and civil war was on the horizon. Some of the Khans, including Cthulhu's father, Kaidu. I'm going to be saying his name a lot. That's her father. Okay. He wanted to keep this like nomadic lifestyle the same it's always been. As where Kublai Khan who is Kadu's uncle. You've probably heard of Kublai Khan. Or I think that makes him Cthulhu's great uncle, I believe. (laughs) Kublai wanted to like actually reform the Mongolian Empire a bit. And he was more interested in establishing an actual government and politics. But the average Mongol slash nomad didn't really want to do that. They liked their their ways of things have been, right? They were like, LOL, no thanks. Yeah. So eventually, Kaidu and Kublai began a war against each other, which lasted 30 years. So long. So instead (laughs) of... Yeah. (laughs) No thanks. And it's it's against your freaking uncle. Could you imagine holidays? So awkward. (laughs) For real. For real. Uh, Hey, Uncle Kublai. This is awkward. (laughs) Don't bring up politics around Uncle Kublai. So instead of looking at any of his freaking 14 sons, Kaidu relied on his only daughter, Katulun, when it came to military expertise. So she grew up in an old school nomadic Mongolian house with 14 brothers, as I said, and she was extremely skilled at riding horses and shooting bows. Actually, a lot of what we know about Cthulhu is direct writings from Marco Polo, which is pretty interesting. This one article I read called him history's tour guide (laughs) or something. To be honest, I really don't know much about Marco Polo at all. M is coming up. Yeah. So here is a direct quote of something that Marco Polo wrote about Cthulhu. So he said, sometimes she would quit her father's side and make a dash at the host of the enemy and seize some man there out as deftly as a hawk pounces on a bird and carry him to her father she did this many a time. Wait, she would like try to date the opposition or she would kill the opposition? No. In war, you know, there's like the, two, the oh. two fronts, right? She would like go over there, grab a dude and bring him back as like prisoner. As deftly as a hawk pounces on a bird. I love how I took that in love terms yeah. first. And then it was like, 
Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, hold that thought. Dang. Hold that thought. Because her riding and bow skills during war were nothing in comparison to her wrestling skills. Sick. (laughs) Her family valued physical ability above all things. They would hold wrestling matches constantly, but these weren't like the AFC or whatever the frig. They weren't separated by weight class or gender. Anybody could wrestle anyone else. So these matches would also continue until somebody hit the floor. So Cthulhuun competed against men of all shapes and sizes, and she was undefeated. What a boss ass bitch. I know. Isn't that insane? So according to Marco Polo, Cthulhuun's father, Kaidu, desperately wanted his daughter to get married, but she refused to do so unless her suitor was able to beat her in wrestling. Oh my gosh. But here is like an artist's representation. (laughs) So look, there's people watching here. Here's some wrestling. And then what are all these guys doing? What are those cute little fawns doing in the background? Her offer was up for anybody. If you beat her in a wrestling match, she'd marry you. Sick. But if you lost, you'd have to give her a hundred horses. I think I love this woman. So much. Honestly, like fitness goals for yeah, real. Yeah, does she have like a, she did she post her workout routine? <laughs> ripped. I know, I need to know it, right? I also read that in these ancient times, like a lot of stories and like histories and stuff use the number 100 and it doesn't necessarily always mean 100. I think it just means a shit ton. I would love to deal in shit tons. So as Cthulhuun got older, the pressure mounted to marry. There was this one suitor who was kind of cocky and he challenged her to a wrestling match. And instead of the usual 100, he bet 1,000 horses. Oh, shit. The balls on this dude. For real. But apparently he was actually like kind of a decent dude. Apparently Cthulhu's parents like really liked him. (laughs) So Kaidu like went to Cthulhu and was like, Please just lose. Like, we really like him. He's a really nice, he's a really nice guy. Like, your mother loves him. We love having him over for dinner. Please just do it. He has a nice job, a nice boy. He's going to provide for you. Needless to say, she walked away from that match with 1,000 horses. So she did not freaking lose intentionally. so cool. Here's something not good, though. Oh, dang it. Yeah. As my stories go, this this isn't too sad, but um, unfortunately, because she was so stubborn and like refused to marry, a lot of people began to talk. A rumor started spreading around the empire that she was having an incestuous relationship <gasps> with her father. Oh, no. Yeah, because, you know, Ugh. they were just like. This has to be why, you know, she's not marrying, whatever, right? Why wouldn't a woman ever want to marry the craziest thing? (laughs) Right. But Cthulhu, like, realized that the rumor would have a bad effect on Kaidu's reputation. And, you know, she loved him and cared about him. So she finally chose some guy to marry, but she did not wrestle him. Just some guy. Well. Just some guy. The reason I say some guy is because there's, like, not a clear account of who. There's two different people that it could be. One account, it was another Mongol ruler in Persia named Ghazan. But on another account, it was actually a prisoner who showed mercy and failed to assassinate 
her father. So that's two historical accounts, different person. But needless to say, she was wifed up. So, (laughs) gosh. Oh, but she didn't go for the nice dude that her parents wanted her to pick. I know. She couldn't just go back and be like, you know what? Just come share my house with me and I have think my she was someone, thousand horses. You know. She was someone who wanted to do stuff on her terms, right? Like yeah, her terms I mean, were wrestle me. I don't want to be with any man who's weaker than me, right? Like that yeah, was her term. Straight up boss. But she still loved her family. And like when a situation happened, she put her pride aside, right? And yeah. she was like, well, dad, you're important to me. You know, I don't want people to think this. Yeah, so. well, do they? So I'm guessing we don't know for sure if that's true or not, right? Correct. We so do it not could know be because sure. she, like, really loved him. Yeah, I mean, we don't. Like, in that way. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. I Let's mean, just hey, hope, I hope not. Because this, this badass bitch, like, it would be really sick if she wasn't incestuous, you know? What yes. I'm yes, yeah. for real. Towards the end of Kaidu's life, he wanted to actually name Cthulhu as the next Khan leader. But unfortunately, as the shit goes, there's a lot of resistance from her many brothers. So he named her brother Oris as the next ruler. But Cthulhu was smart and she was like, hey, Oris, listen, I'll support you politically, but you have to name me as commander of the military. So that's what happened. Sick. And they maintained their alliance until... Cthulhu's death from unknown causes in 1306 at the age of 46 years old. Wow. After this, the Mongol Empire, but specifically like the nomadic factions like I was talking about before, mm-hmm. started to crumble. In a sense, Cthulhu could be considered one of the last great nomadic warrior princesses. Wow. Because after she passed away, it kind of changed over. Yeah. After Cthulhu's death, she slid into obscurity for centuries. But in 1710, a Frenchman named Francois Petit de la Croix, La Croix like the Celts, <laughs> <laughs> he started to write a biography of Genghis Khan. While researching and learning about Genghis Khan, he also learned about the great warrior Cthulhu and wrote a fictionalized story about her called Turandot, or Turkish Daughter. Instead of wrestling, Turandot challenged her suitors with riddles, and if they didn't get the riddles, they were killed. So it's a little... A little more intense, we would say. But it's not wrestling. Yeah, but wrestling, it's not like she, like... I don't know. It's not like she jumped off of the, like, wrestling ring and body smashed them. You know, she just put them True. on the floor. <laughs> They hit them with a chair or something? They weren't doing a chair. Yeah, they weren't doing chairs and and rope, like shit, rope work or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the flying, the flying horsemen, whatever the, whatever the wrestling terms are. the apocalypse. Yeah. Exactly. We know them. We know them all. Oh, I was going to say, the only reason I know about that story is because there's an opera called Turandot that is specifically about that story. And I went to see that, actually. Um, done by Opera Philadelphia, so it was amazing. Well, the next paragraph that I wrote centuries later in the 1900s, <laughs> the story of Turandot was turned into an Italian opera. Boom. But was even further skewed from Cthulhu's actual history. The opera kind of changed 
the person that she was into this like stubborn woman who finally gave in to love, which kind of reminded me of like the taming of the shrew Shakespeare story, which inspired 10 things I hate about you. Mm, mm hmm. So it kind of reminded me of that where like this woman is different and stubborn and all of a sudden some guy comes along and then it's just like, oh, I'm better now. I'm not like this, you know, <laughs> anyways, whatever. We contain multitudes, okay? We contain multitudes. People. So in conclusion, while her actual history has been twisted and distorted, all accounts speak to her physical strength and military prowess she will always be remembered in mongolia for centuries as a great athlete and fierce warrior katulun brought to you by the letter k Ooh, i love it good job carly good job oh i love her (laughs) i know isn't she cool she's cool this was also my first person I haven't done a person yet. Oh, yeah. So how'd you feel about it? Interesting. It was cool. I wish that there was more research about her. There really wasn't that much research about her, honestly. Yeah, it's um, hard to find info on her. Also, it was so fucking long ago. Also, probably the longest ago so far that we've covered, right? What year was Bloody Mary? Oh, that was late ter. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like it was it was super early yeah. civilization and stuff. So Yeah. It's not like those people are still around today able to talk <laughs> about it. So you know. Yeah. I think well, jousting went back that much, I think. Mm-hmm. Check out rejectedprincesses.com. Pretty neat. I love that. <laughs> I feel like that person who makes that site should like make a book or something because it's just like all these stories. It's- I believe in Mongolia, like wrestling is a huge thing. Like it culturally, it's like very quintessential to their to their culture. It seems so according to the story right here, right? So Mongolian wrestling is the folk wrestling style of the Mongols. There you go. Wrestling is the most important of the Mongolian culture's historic three manly skills. <laughs> Are the other ones riding and bow hunting? Uh, horsemanship and archery, yeah. There you go. Genghis Khan considered wrestling to be an important way to keep his army in good physical shape and combat ready. Wow. There you go. Hell yeah. yeah. I think I was like watching a documentary where they were talking about wrestling still in Mongolia and how it's like still a very important part of their culture, which I just think is so cool. It's like ancient traditions like that are so awesome. I mean, for me, it's like, I'm not really tied to like a huge cultural history. And so, you know, I feel like my history is very American and it's not like very... Like, I'm Dutch, but I'm not like, oh, my Dutch tradition kind of thing. Right. Something like that. So it's like, it would be so cool to have this kind of like culture that's passed down from generation to generation. It just seems really amazing. For sure. Well, Cthulhuun seems like a real fucking badass. I know. I like her. I like her a lot. It was was cool to learn about her. Ladies, we're killing it. But I did not do Karens. I know. It's probably safer that way. Maybe next time. Wow, Sweet. good job, Carl. So tune in next week for L. L. I'm excited. I have a lot of good options. A lot. A lot. Learning and love. Of good <laughs> learning and love. I'm really excited for next week, too. So 
Yay. I really enjoy learning. Let's keep learning. Let's do it. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter by the letter pod. You can email us at by the letter pod at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, you know, share it with your friends. The more feedback we get, the more people get to see our stuff. So if you like our stuff, make sure you share it. And we'd also love to hear about ideas because we love learning and we're down to learn about mm-hmm. anything. Just about That's anything. right. We love you and we'll see you next week. <gasps> bye. 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 Bye.